kids can be dismissed to reach kids. They can head out now. And I'm going to invite Christine Hayes up here, wherever she is. All right, here she is. Hello. Uh, all right, so the team for leaving for Kenya to go visit Happy Life Children's Ministry is leaving on Friday. On Friday. All right, so we want to send them off well. And so if you'll, you'll join me in praying for them, let, let's pray for this team. Father, we, we thank you that you are the father to the fatherless and that we were not children of you. We were, we were children of wrath and in Christ we have become uh, children of you, children of, children of your love through, through Christ the true son. And Father, we, we thank you that we can communicate this to the world. And so Father, I pray for the team that we are sending to Kenya we ask that they would communicate the love that you have for them in Christ. Father, would you give them hearts of service and hearts of love and hearts of um, endurance as they serve the, the house moms who, who do the ministry day in and day out and as they love the kids, would they love them with the love that is found in Christ? Father, we pray for Christine especially and we ask that um, she would be a bearer of good news to them and Father, that she would grow in this process. Father, would you make this team all about nothing but Jesus? And would you send them out with that message? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, today is the last week we are looking at King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat. Now, last week, uh, last week was not, was not the high point of the story. So we saw, we saw the... The initial story where King Jehoshaphat, he was, he was battling idolatry, he was committed to the word of God, and last week we saw the fall. The fall of King Jehoshaphat, we saw him give in to idolatry and lose all of that peace and prosperity that he had found in, in God. Now, following kind of the line of, of redemption, we see, we see this kind of creation, fall, and this week we get to see the redemption of King Jehoshaphat. The redemption of King Jehoshaphat. Now last week we saw King Jehoshaphat, he, he barely survived the battle. That he, he's running with his tail between his legs, crying out to the Lord. And, and he is saved. He is saved by the mercy of God. But, but that's, not, that's not actually the end of, of the judgment for King Jehoshaphat. That he, he gave into idolatry, he rebelled against the Lord, and now we're going to find King Jehoshaphat. He is, he is under the wrath of God. So turn, turn with me to, to chapter 19. Turn with me to chapter 19. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 19. Uh, we're going to be in verse uh, chapter 20 for, for most of the time, but there's this interesting discourse at, in 19 verse, uh, verse 1. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem, but Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. That wrath has gone out against you from the Lord. And that's what this story is about, chapter 20. This is a king who is under the wrath of the Lord, who is under the judgment of God for idolatry. 
And as we talked about last week, we are all under the judgment of God for idolatry. That we are all idolaters. We have run after other things than the Lord. And we find ourselves under the wrath and judgment of God. And so this week, we're talking about, okay, what do, what do a people under wrath and judgment, what are they called to do? How are they called to pursue the Lord? And we're, we're called to pursue the Lord as King Jehoshaphat did. That he actually is going to lead his people in how to deal with judgment and the wrath of God. And we're seeing this in three ways, three ways. By once again, the people are called to turn from idols and worship God alone. To turn from idols and worship God alone. Second, we are called to believe the word of God. And third, we're supposed to look for victory in God. That the victory is his. That if we continue to worship him and believe the word, he will have the victory. Now, the, the cool thing about this story is this story is, is much bigger than King Jehoshaphat. This is the story of the gospel. This is how the Lord deals with people under wrath and judgment. That he calls them to keep worshiping, keep believing the word, and he will have the victory. That King Jesus, the better king, will have the victory. So let's look at chapter 20 of Second Chronicles and see see how the gospel works for people under judgment. All right. So, it's a lot of passage. Bear with me in that. Uh, but, chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, far beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon, Tamar, that is, and Gedi. All right, so the wrath of God comes in the form of three nations. Three nations made this alliance to destroy Judah. This is how the Lord is responding to the sin of idolatry in the people of God. And how does King Jehoshaphat respond? This king who has had so many different responses to idolatry and to fear and to coming judgment. Verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now we've seen Jehoshaphat be afraid before. That fear motivated him into idolatry last week. And he has learned his lesson. That he does no, he no longer seeks out the help of idols. Who does he run to? He runs to the Lord himself. And that's a great irony that, that even when we're under the wrath and judgment of God himself, he is the one that we seek. That there's no one else who can help us. And the Lord actually wants to listen. And so, we could admit that we are, we are terrified of the judgment to come, but we can seek the Lord. And look what he says, verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord be before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? 
You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and your hands are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came to the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. All right, what's he doing here? This is the king leading the people against idolatry. He's reminding the people who this God really is. And this is not a local God, a petty little local God that Judah chose among the many. No, this is the one true God. The God who created all things. The God who has power and might in his hands. The God who has already saved this people, who brought them out of Egypt, who brought the, the 12 plagues upon Egypt, who led them by fire and by cloud, who parted the Red Sea, who destroyed the nations before them even though they had no chance, who gave them this land. A good king reminds us of the work that the Lord has done for his people. And that the irony is that the Israelites, it wasn't, they weren't good people. They were a whiny, terrible people. They were under the judgment of God. But this is how, the God, how this same God responded before. He responded in grace and he responded with power. He's reminding the people who they should worship. Regardless of if they're under judgment or not, they should worship the one true God. Now, what does that have to do with us? What does it have to do with us? This is our same God. This is our same God. And I know that you guys have testimonies of what this God has done for you. That you have seen him act, you have seen him save you personally. You can tell the stories, you can, you can remember the faithfulness of this God. And King Jesus, King Jesus would tell us, remember, remember, you have been under judgment before. You have suffered before. You have fought against evil and sin before. And I've been faithful. And most of all, most of all, what are we reminded of? The good King, King Jesus, he reminds us that he has defeated sin and death and Satan forever. That he's already, he's already risen from the dead. That when he saw the judgment against us, he responded by dying and rising from the dead. And so now, when we go into judgment, when we are, face suffering, when we face sin, when we face death even, the cross is our history. The cross is the history of what God has done for us. Of his faithfulness towards us. We remember the cross. 
And if God has the power of resurrection on his side, we have nothing to fear. We remember that. And then King Jehoshaphat, he makes, he makes a statement. He makes a statement in verse 12. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All right, this is the faith that we are called to. This is true faith. This is the faith that our, our king leads us in. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now that is someone who has abandoned idolatry. Because before, before maybe King Jehoshaphat would say, yeah, we, we don't know what to do, but, but we are making marriage alliances with Israel. We'll get through it that way. We'll go to Egypt. We have armies, we have soldiers, we have chariots. And that's what we do. When we are desperate, we make, we make alliances, we, we look to places, we scheme and we devise. But real faith is, is being able to say this. We have no idea what to do, but our eyes are on you. When we have tried idolatry and seen it fail, and now we're running after the Lord and just saying, God, if, if, if you don't show up, I have no other hope. Now that is the point of real faith. That's the point where we actually get to see that if God is powerful or not. My fear is that, that we've never actually gotten to that point and we've never actually tested God to see if he is real. That we've never thrown up our hands and asked him to, to alone work something that is, it is amazing. That we've relied on idolatry and we've always run away. But the real king, the real king takes us to this point. And I hope you know that when you're under the judgment and wrath of God, when you're under suffering and sin and death, that it is God alone who can help you. And you don't know how, but your eyes are upon him. All right. King Jehoshaphat, he has lost all faith in idolatry. He has run to the Lord. He has run to the Lord. He is seeking the Lord. And second, second, we can see King Jehoshaphat recommitting himself to the word of God. Look at verse 13. And keep in mind that it, this is that same king who, who went through that fiasco we saw last week where there are lying prophets and people were, people were persecuting the prophets and telling the prophets to lie and then hearing the truth and not listening to them. All right, that's the background here. King Jehoshaphat has learned his lesson. Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the son of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, 
but gods. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Now that is a good word from the Lord. And remember, remember what we're talking about. This is God talking about the wrath and judgment that he is bringing upon this nation for their idolatry. And that same Lord is saying, I, I gave you this judgment, but I'm also going to be the one battling on your behalf. Now, it's insane that the battle is not yours. The battle is mine, says the Lord. And they do not need to fear. They don't even need to fight. They need to go out and see the work of the Lord. Now, that's a good word. Now, this is, this is we, we can't say that the Lord is saying this specifically to us. All right, that's just bad theology. But what has the Lord said? What is the word of the Lord to you and to me in the New Testament that is true every time we go into battle, every time we face suffering, every time we have to, to battle with sin? All right, I'm going to read you some passages. These are, these are the, the word of the Lord to us. That he works all things together for good, for the good of those who love him, to conform us to the image of Christ. That he works everything for good. That every tear will be dried. That whatever tears we have here, we will find victory and those tears will be dried up. You do not need to be frightened by anything in your opponents. You don't need to be frightened by anything in your opponents. We do not have a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. That in every battle, we don't, we don't need to come with a spirit of fear. We come with a spirit of power. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, from the love of God in Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate you. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That is not provisional, that is a promise. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In every suffering, in every battle, these, these are the promises. These are what the Lord has said to his people, to those who are in Christ. Now, what do we do with those words? What does King Jehoshaphat do with his words? Verse 18. King Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. The people worship. 
They worship the Lord because they have already won the battle. That if, if the Lord has said it, it is already done. And yes, there's three tribes going up against them, and we have three tribes of worship here. And our soldiers are not those in the army. The soldiers are the ones who are leading in worship. The Levites, the Korathites, the Kohathites, those are our warriors. The ones who keep worshiping in the midst of trial and tribulation and judgment because they believe the word of the Lord. And what do they do? Verse 20. They rose early in the morning, went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. Sorry for all these names. This is brutal. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he'd taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That is how we are supposed to go into the judgment that the Lord has appointed for us. By singing, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. That yes, we are idolaters. And yes, we are under the wrath of God. But the Lord has said he will have victory. And we won't even need to fight the battle. The battle will be fought for us by the Lord. And that we can suffer and we can endure the judgment of the world, the judgment of God himself, and still worship. And still worship. All right. And what happens? Verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah, so that they are routed. And the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. So here are the people of, of the people of Judah, the people of God, singing praises to the steadfast love of the Lord, and their enemies are destroying one another. That this is how the Lord had planned the battle. They didn't even have to pick up their swords. All they had to do was sing the praises of the Lord. And when they began to sing in praise, the Lord gave them the victory. Now that's what the battle looks like. That's what the judgment looks like. The judgment battle for the people of God is that they stand and sing and watch their enemies defeat themselves. And finally, verse 24. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothes, and precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called 
the Valley of Barakah to this day. All right, so the, the, the point of this, all, this whole thing was to judge this nation for their idolatry. And what ends up happening, they defeat these armies and they spend three whole days just picking up the treasure of the armies that had come against them. Now, I was trying to get my head around this. Imagine, imagine picking up treasure for three days. For three whole days until you cannot carry it all. This is the, this is the blessing of, of judgment. And so what should have been the Valley of Judgment is now called the Valley of Barakah, which means the Valley of Blessing. The Valley of Blessing. All right, are we seeing the story here? We had King Jehoshaphat. He, he started out in the beginning kind of ideal. And then we saw his fall. And in that fall, he came under judgment. But then the Lord gave him redemption and actually lifted up far beyond where he was before. And it says, verse 27, Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. All right. That's the result of the judgment of God. That's the result of their idolatry. That the good king leads them out of judgment into blessing. All right. I hope we're seeing the parallels here. What does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with Jesus? Now this valley, this valley... The Valley of Blessing, it still exists today, and it's, it's called the Kidron Valley now. And it's a site where, where the Garden of Gethsemane is. That this same place is the place where, where our King, King Jesus, stood before the Lord and cried out, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but my eyes are upon you. Not my will, but your will be done. And our king, King Jesus, he went to battle against judgment. And he did not have to fight. He didn't fight. He didn't have a sword. He took his cross with him. And he surrendered himself to the soldiers who were mocking him. And to the corrupt government. And to the abuse of his own people. And he was crucified. Now, when he's hanging on the cross, he was still worshiping. And he was looking to the word of the Lord, trusting that though he did not know what to do, his eyes were upon the Lord. And one of his final statements, his final statements is, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
that he was trusting to the very end. And what was God doing in that place? He was destroying the enemies. He was destroying the enemies of his people. That Satan had recruited sinners to use suffering and death to kill their king. And what happened when Jesus rose from the dead? Satan was dealt a death blow. And sinners were reconciled to God. And sin and judgment was paid for. And suffering would end forever through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And death would be swallowed up in victory. That in the cross, the enemies of God destroyed one another. And what does that mean for us now? All right, there's one other place where this valley appears. The valley of blessing, the valley of Jehoshaphat. In Joel, it actually says that in this valley will be the final judgment. That the final judgment day will be right here. Now, we are under the judgment and wrath of God. That when we go to, to battle on that day, we can either go worshiping and we can go singing the praises of God following King Jesus or we can go for our judgment. And that's where if we follow King Jesus on that day, he will turn this curse, this valley of judgment into a valley of blessing for us that we will leave there rejoicing. We will leave there having plundered our enemies, having defeated Satan and sin and death and found joy and glory and blessing. This story is the gospel. The King Jesus is the better King Jehoshaphat who is gone and he has led us in victory. And we will find rest forever. Rest from suffering, rest from sin, rest from works and performance. And we will sit at the banquet table for all eternity with our king in perfect peace. That's what this story is about. This is not about just kings. This is about us. This is about our king leading us, his people, in victory, even though we are under judgment. And today we're going we're to eat the Lord's Supper and remember that th this is the cost. This is the cost of the peace that we're going to find with God. But this is also a picture of that victory that we will all, who have put our faith in Christ, we will stand together and we will feast and we will enjoy the blessing of God that our King has given us. Let's pray. Father, as, as, I, as I think of this story, I thank you that from the very beginning you have, you have planned for Christ to come and to die and to, to be victorious over sin and death and suffering in Satan and to give us the victory. Father, I ask that you would 
Protect us from idols and idolatry that we would not run to other things, that our eyes would be on you. Father, we ask that you would help us to wait for you to be victorious, for you to fight for us, that we would not fight for ourselves. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that, that peace and rest is guaranteed in him. Father, would you give us the great affection for our King, who bled and who died for us, and who rose to give us new life. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name.